Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. Fresh with the new logo. Thank you, Matt, Jack's friend, hooking us up with that. And we are sitting here on a wonderful Tuesday afternoon after a pretty rainy day, but I had a great day. How about you, Jack? Pretty good. Uh, the rest of us aren't educators like you, Jordan, so we did not have the day off. So uh, pretty busy with the, the regular grind, but uh, pretty good overall. Yeah, man. I was just sitting at home playing some Warzone, getting some dubs with the boys the past two days. And it's been pretty chill, been productive, did some light reading. So that was good. Definitely going to crank that up tomorrow. But we had a crazy week of sports, a solid first start uh, to the NFL in the first week of the offseason. NBA starting to pick up as we come up on the All-Star game. MLB, lots of trades, lots of pickups. Uh, pitchers and catchers in 16 days. Things are getting crazy over there, but we're going to change it up. We've been starting with the NFL as we were at the height of the NFL season when we started this podcast. And now we're going to start with the NBA as we really move into the heart of the NBA season. So Jack, why don't you start us off with your hitters and shitters of the week? Absolutely. And full disclosure for the people listening at home, I am actually tuning into the Celtics and Nuggets game right now. So if you hear uh, any curse words throughout the t- throughout this time, just know that I'm going to be sad if the Celtics go below 500. So um, always good to have live reactions, though. So uh, to get it started, my hitter of the week, there was a lot of different directions I wanted to go in um, for this week. So uh, I just wanted to start out uh, my hitter of the week. I got the Phoenix Suns. Uh, They are on an absolute roll right now. They beat Philadelphia this week. Um, They've had some really great wins. Basically, since the start of the month, their um, only loss since the start of February was to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, This week, they beat the Magic. They beat Philadelphia. They beat Milwaukee. uh, And then cheating myself back a little bit, they beat Cleveland and and the Celtics. But they're on a roll right now. Uh, Devin Booker playing at an all-star level, all-star starter level, I could even say. Uh, you know, over his last four, he's got, you know, against the Cavs, he had 36, Bucks, he had 30, 76ers, he put up 36, Orlando, he had 27 the other night. He's been shooting over 50% from the field in his last four games as well, including five of nine from three against the Cavaliers, uh, rebounding the ball against the Celtics. He almost he was three rebounds shy of a triple double. So he's been doing really well. Uh, Chris Paul over his last few games, 28 against the Bucks, which is huge, shooting 50% from the field, uh, two rebounds shy of a triple double against the 76ers shot 61 and a half percent from the field uh, and then again against Orlando had a nice 12.9 assist night and then Mikel Bridges I know we've talked about him a little bit on this show huge game against the Cavs 22 points 15 points against the Bucks. he shot uh, six of seven from the field against the Bucks against Orlando the other night 21 points five rebounds seven of 13 from the field didn't have the best game against Philly but hey they won so uh, ultimately the Suns are just firing on him um, you know all cylinders right now couple little other tidbits I had about the Suns is that they actually were able to out-rebound their opponents in all of their games other than that 76ers game, which is huge against uh, teams like the Bucks, teams like the Celtics, teams like the Cavs who have height. Uh, they were able to out-rebound them. Their uh, offensive rating against the Bucks and the 76ers was at 126. So that means they scored 126 points per 100 possessions, which is well above league average. Uh, and in those games, they were able to make, make way with the mid-range shot, shot 57% from mid-range, 45% from three in those two games. So they're able to show that they can beat good teams. And actually their record against teams with a 500 or better record is seven and four, which is second best in the league, only behind the Nets, who by the time you're listening to this podcast, they will have just played. So we'll have a little bit more more leeway on that so uh you guys know i love my phoenix sun sun's out guns out so jordan what do you have for your hitter of the week 
No, I just want to talk about the Suns for a little bit because I'm really excited with what they've done. Um, obviously, four out of the past six games beating some really good teams. I know everyone's not really hot on the Celtics right now, but at the time they beat the Celtics, Celtics were riding a hot streak. Uh, Cavaliers were really good at the beginning of the year. Then obviously the Bucks and 76ers have been powerhouses all year long. Magic have been hit or miss this year, but the Suns really coming together and playing like a true team and carrying that momentum from the end of the bubble. So that was that's really great to see from the Suns. Uh, this one might be a surprise to some people. I got the Trailblazers and Carmelo Anthony. That's not and, a surprise at all, Jordan. I was dude. ready to pick them too. <laughs> yeah, I uh, Carmelo this year, fun fact, in seven games where he scored over 20 points, the Trailblazers are 6-1. and one. So that just shows the impact that Carmelo can have coming off the bench. I know he's only started three games this year, but has been a great role player. Especially this week, um, he got career highs in points. He got 23 uh, last Tuesday, then he got 24 two days later, 23 over the weekend, and then he got 15 the other night, um, two nights ago. So he's being consistent with his points. He isn't getting a whole lot of assists, get, isn't getting a whole lot of boards. Um, he got five boards uh, two nights ago. Um, but he's being very small, smart with the ball isn't turning over the ball a lot, isn't forcing a lot of fouls, and it's just being really efficient as a player. Um, also, in the past four games, he does have four blocks, three of them coming against Orlando, uh, where they won by nine. So Carmelo's been a really solid player coming off the bench for the Trailblazers this year, and I think he's only going to help Dame's uh, candidacy for the MVP award. Um, I think they're both great on the floor together. So it's going to be exciting to see how they use Carmelo going forward. I doubt he finds his way back into the starting lineup because I think he is solid off the bench. But this is some of the best ball Melo has played in the past couple of years. And even though he's not putting up crazy points like we're used to seeing, he's making the most out of the minutes he's getting. And he's being very efficient in that regard. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to add, or two things I guess I wanted to add about the Trailblazers, because I basically have them as my second hitter of the week, if you could say. <laughs> um, Dame Lillard, so like you said, they've won seven out of their last nine. I didn't actually even realize this. A couple of weeks ago, they beat Philly without Dame even playing, so that was huge oh, for wow. them to do that. Uh, one thing I realized, they're 27th in the league in field goal percentage, but they're 6th in three-point percentage, so they're making the most of those shots. I know Dame is the best three-point shooter percentage-wise, but he's got that range. Uh, their defense, I know, such struggles. They give up the four, fifth most points a game, um, but they do have the fourth best field goal percentage against. So, again, kind of interesting that the stats don't tell at all. Um, as you all know, I love my my Dame time. He's averaging 30 points a game over that stretch in his last eight games. Um, but one player I wanted to highlight, I know you talked about Melo as a role player, Gary Trent Jr., uh, I know he's not a household name. I watched pretty much that whole game that they played Dallas the other night. Really great game. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. was was – firing from the three-point line uh this season he's averaging 14.9 a game 44.7 percent from three and over his last seven he's averaging over 20 uh, again 44 percent from the field almost 50 percent from from threes at 49 percent uh average point differential in those games is 6.7 percent and the blazers are six and one so gary trent is showing that he could be a starter in this league i know they have him listed as a he's a undersized small forward i would say but once cj mccollum's back he could definitely find his way in the starting lineup i know they have robert covington uh they'll get Nurkic back they have ennis Cantor, but gary trent jr is definitely showing that he can be a, a legitimate starter in this league for a playoff team yeah, and I think this Trailblazers team is really getting slept on. Um, I know you had them ranked pretty high preseason, and we have them ranked a little bit higher now. Um, but just to see how they've developed over the year and they, they've learned how to use their players. 
Um, once they get McCollum back and Nurkic back, I think this team's going to be top notch in the NBA and is really going to be a threat, especially given that they are beating some better teams now down the stretch. So yeah, we'll see West how they is, can. West is going to be a grind. West yeah. is going to be a grind. Always um, a grind. Always a grind out there. But I guess uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference, what do you have, Jordan? Uh, I know you don't have some <laughs> some good news out of these. Neither do I. It's been a it's been a shitty week. Yeah, it has been for the East. Um, let's go from one team that's awesome in three point shooting to a team that's been pretty friggin' terrible, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, have dropped the last four. Um, and a lot of that comes back to their three-point shooting. Uh, so far on the season, they're ranked 22nd in three-point percentage. I believe they have a 35.5. Um, but over the past four games, they averaged 34.3 uh, uh, three-point percentage, um, which it doesn't sound too bad compared to their normal shooting percentage. But if you put that to their yearly percentage, that 34.3%, they dropped to the bottom five in the league from three. So they're definitely a team that has shooters and they're just struggling. Trey Young has not been sharp from three. Um, they have some other role players that are almost taking too many threes in the game. Um, I was going through some of the stats. I don't have any names off the top of my head. Herder. I'm trying to yeah. think else on the team. Herder. Yeah, there were some guys that had like, they were shooting 10 threes a game and they were maybe 10, 20% from the, uh, in that range. So um, a lot of that, Hawks need to cut back on how many threes they're taking because I think there's times where they can create more efficient shooting. They can get closer to the bucket, maybe step in and hit the mid-range shot, which the mid-range shot is sort, sort of going away in the NBA. I know I'm seeing it a little bit more when I'm watching it, but yeah. you have guys that can either shoot from the from the arc or they're inside in the paint. There's no real true mid-range shooter anymore in the NBA, except maybe the superstars that can hit from anywhere on the Devin court. Booker. Devin Booker. <laughs> Um, Jason Tatum, Steph, Harden, they don't shoot from mid-range a lot, but like when they get to the mid-range and then they have to, they will make that shot. So I think if the Hawks, if they can humble themselves and say, hey, let's move inside, let's get some uh, shots closer to the bucket, we're going to see their field goal percentage go up and they're going to start to win more games because of it. Because if they make all their threes and they make all their twos, like it's only a one point difference for each. So why are you going to risk taking a three and lose three points when you can gain two, if you move maybe 10 feet closer to the, uh, to the rim? Well, good news. Yeah. And good news for the Hawks. They got the Celtics coming up. So they'll probably, they got them back to back games. We know how it's been going out of Boston. So you're hearing my negativity. (laughs) Um, So the Hawks will get right back on track is what it's looking like. Cause the Celtics are already getting murdered by, the Nuggets, and we're about three minutes in. So uh, my shitter of the week is not the Celtics. We will get to that in a minute. Um, mine, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know we were pretty hyped on them and the Colin Sexton. They were sitting at 10 and 11 at one point. They're down to 10 and 18 now. Can't say we're too surprised, but none of us had them that high. So it's unfortunate that they're – then, like I said, they've lost to some really, really good teams. They're not losing to any scrubs out there. They're losing team. They're, they're losing to teams with winning records. I mean, their last – their losing streak, the Clippers, the Bucks twice, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Clippers again, and the Warriors. Uh, the thing that's really just concerning to me about the Cleveland Cavaliers right now is, one, their defense. Uh, they've given up in their losing streak. They've given up uh, quite a few points. Uh, I want to say it's about 125.3 to be exact points per game over that time. Um, Really in those games, the struggling aspect, and we were going to get to him anyways, was Andre Drummond, who's on the trade block now uh, against Denver. He only had 4.6 rebounds, two of seven from the field, negative 28 point differential and only 16 minutes in that game. So not a very good game against Portland. Uh, Only played 17 minutes, eight points, five rebounds, didn't even dress against the Clippers. And as many of you have probably heard at this point, uh, Andre Drummond uh, and even Blake Griffin, but Andre Drummond specifically, 
is on the trading block. Cleveland is not going to be playing him until they have a trade partner uh, to take his contract and take him on. So Jordan, do you have any potential fits for Andre Drummond? Cause I'm thinking of one specifically that I would enjoy. Yeah. I, w- I was looking at some teams across the league and honestly, one that might be a really good fit in my opinion is the Mavs. I know they got Maxi Kleber over there, but he has not been that efficient. Um, is actually in the bottom half of the league when it comes to player efficiency rating, um, isn't doing that great job on the defensive end either. He's getting really, uh, he, a lot of players are driving in on him and getting easy buckets or getting easy fouls. So I think if you bring in a stud like Drummond to the uh, to the Mavs, I'm not sure who they would get rid of, uh, either future picks or on their roster. Their roster is pretty thin as it is in guys that can actually score and be effective for that team. But I think if you bring in Drummond, he brings an immediate impact to that team offensively and defensively, especially with a guy like Luca, who seems to be doing it all. I mean, Chris Stapps is having good games here and there. But if you want to look at the key of consistency on the team, it's Luca, and he's doing everything he can to generate wins for this team. So I think if you put Drummond there, it gives him another option, especially on the inside. And then defensively, it only helps him with the, with yeah. the team that has Jay Rich, who obviously is taking a step back this year defensively, but is still one of the most impactful defensive players on that team. Yeah. And offensively too. I mean, he, I mean, well, I should say defensively, I didn't know he was one of the best defensive centers in basketball just a few, I mean, literally two years ago, 20, the 17, 18 and uh, 18, 19 season, he led the league in defensive win shares. Um, he's great rebounder. He's not obviously, we all know he's not a great free throw shooter, but great rebounder, really good defender. I think the Mavs would actually, uh, there's an interesting one. I haven't heard that one yet. I know some people have mentioned the Lakers now with Anthony Davis out for two to four, two to three weeks. Um, one team, and I know I'm tooting my own horn, so I'll stop talking about them in a little bit, but the Celtics definitely could use a big man. They definitely, you heard I was on the Vucevic train. Everyone forgets too, Andre Drummond's only 27. He's not like super old. He's not in his thirties. I, I think it could be a good trade. They have that trade exception. They have draft picks. They have young talent that Cleveland is obviously looking for. So I don't know. I mean, I think he'd be a good fit here. I, the thing is, I don't think the Celtics are winning a championship this year, even if they made that trade. So that was one one team I thought, um, you know, another team that I was thinking might be a good fit. I know Brooklyn's been mentioned on him. They definitely need help on the defensive end. I don't know what they have to trade for him, but that would definitely be interesting because then you have someone to go up against him, beat in a play or even Giannis uh, in yeah. a playoff series. So that would be interesting. I don't know if they could really pull off the big four um, over in Brooklyn. That would be quite interesting but those are two teams that I think of what about Blake Griffin you you think of anything for Blake Griffin yeah I was looking at some teams and out of anyone that really needs more big men and more guys that are like kind of falling off I want to say the Warriors okay but like they they already have some guys there like you don't really know what they would do with Draymond maybe move him to the uh small forward side of things see how Kelly Oubre is playing um but again it's there's no real teams that really need a big man like Blake who's on the tail end of his career and just there for help, especially with how he's played the past couple of seasons, especially this year. You know, I think he'd become more of a bench player and a role player rather than a starter if they were to take him. And is he worth that? Is is his money worth that to send him somewhere to just be a role player? So I think he ends up sticking uh, sticking out in Detroit. I don't know how well they're going to use him moving forward. But again, 
he could end up getting dealt and we can see what happens. Yeah. I think um, one team I think I said at one point was the Miami Heat. I know Griffin's not the rebounder he used to be, but I know we said it a while back that he, that he are one of like the worst rebounding teams in basketball with Bam out of bio. So adding Griffin, he doesn't need to be the guy there. They have Jimmy Butler out of bio, Tyler hero, uh, Gordon Dragic, Olenek. Exactly. And Olenek isn't like a really back to the basket kind of center. either. I'd rather have Blake over Olenek on all reality. So yeah, I think that, it, the Heat would be a fine spot for him. Yeah, I think, and I think, I think you could play both Griffin and Olenek at the same time, just because they're to- two totally different players. You have Olenek who can shoot the three, stretch the floor. I mean, Griffin can shoot the three now, and he can handle the ball. But Olenek's almost like a—I don't want to say like a slashing center. You don't see that too much <laughs> in the league, but like you see Olenek just hanging out at the three-point line, where Griffin can still get his back to the basket. Yes, he can shoot from mid-range. I know we were talking about mid-range shots earlier. Uh, and rebounding wise, he's just been terrible since he got to Detroit. He has his two lowest rebounding seasons so far per game on a per game basis are the two seasons, uh, two full seasons, I should say, because he got traded to Detroit mid-year in uh, 2018. So he just has not been very good uh, with the Pistons. But um, I know we'll do a little bit more NBA coverage. I know I mentioned Anthony Davis. You concerned if you're a Laker fan about Anthony Davis out two to three weeks? Uh, yes and no. I mean, they're on a hot roll right now. They're 15 of their last 19. Um, they're doing really well there. And I think they have enough role players to come in and do well. Like uh, Harold's over there. Um, who's, Kuzma can come off the bench and play well. So, I mean, they have the bodies to come in and play well. Obviously, they're not going to have the same impact Anthony Davis has. But this team's talented and deep enough to skate by and get wins. And they've been showing that. Um, all season long. And I think with Davis out, I mean, Davis has missed a couple of games already this year. Yeah. He missed, um, he missed two early and then missed the second half of a game recently too, before they realized he needs to sit out with the calf. Yeah. So I know we're going off a small sample size, but I think this team can win without him. Obviously not as much, but they'll still be one of the top teams in the West without him uh, moving forward for the, re- for the next two weeks. Yeah, they're um I believe they're four and one this year in games without Anthony Davis. So yeah. Yeah. And maybe who knows Blake Griffin, power forward obviously not that not the player that davis is obviously but you know fill in i know mantras harrell's been playing pretty well um recently he actually had some stats on him uh since february started he's shooting 72.6 percent from the field uh 15.7 points which is more his season average is down at 11 so uh, he's he's doing really well he was my pick for six man of the year i don't know if he's gonna win it because uh we have a dude in utah (laughs) <laughs> we pretty much <laughs> talked about every episode, but how can't you? The the Jazz are nine, 19 of their last 20. They beat they beat the Bucks. They beat the Heat. They beat the Celtics. They beat the 76ers last night. Mm-hmm. They literally it took they're the a, best a, team. They're the best team. It took it took a Nikola Jokic like 47 and 15 and like eight assists game to beat them. And Jordan, I mean, I'll give Ben Simmons his credit. He did have to step in at center last night. I know Joel Embiid was out. He did drop 42, 12, and Mm -hmm. 9, almost had a triple-double at the center position, almost like Jokic-like numbers. But Jordan Clarkson had 40 points. Dude (laughs) shot 8 of 13 from 3. He is, If he's not your sixth man of the year right now, I mean, who else is? Like I said, Harold's playing well. But, I mean, man, the Jazz, every week now, it seems like they could be our hitter of the week. Like, it's no no one would question it. So, um, I don't know if you have anything down on the jazz. I obviously have my stats lined up on, on Mitchell yeah. and Gobert, but, uh, that's just, that's going to be, and people are like still sleeping on them. Like, Oh, let's see what happens in the playoffs. It's like, well, that's the thing with all other than the Lakers. It's the same thing with the bucks. It's the same thing with the Sixers. It's the same thing with the Clippers. It's the same thing with the Celtics. 
Nuggets, all these teams, Blazers, like exactly all the all these teams. It's like oh, let's see what they do in place. That's literally like what all of these teams are. So someone's got to win it. I mean, are the Lakers going to go back to back? Maybe, but like there's just so many teams out there right now that have a legit shot to win it. Uh, and the Jazz, especially with that home court advantage, if there's no bubble, because who the heck knows what's happening? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But I think it's the Jazz are just a fun team to watch, and it's good to get sort of a breath of fresh air. Like over the past couple of years, we've had the Bucks. Obviously, the Lakers are finally getting back into the fold, but it's almost the Lakers are in conversation almost any year, mm-hmm. any given year. Obviously, besides the mid 2010s, um, the Celtics are always at the top, you know. So you have teams that are always up there. And it's just, this is a breath of fresh air. 76ers were one of the worst teams in the NBA given a few few years back. Trust the process. Yeah, exactly. Just rebuilt this team and revamped it. Now they're here. Jazz are doing something similar where they were never like a contender, but now they're the best team bar none in the NBA. You can't take that away from them. Yes, it's the regular season, but they're beating teams that that have been powerhouses for years in the NBA. So I can't wait to see what they do in the playoffs. Um, I can't – Granted, they're getting there, but obviously they will with how they're playing. Um, It's going to be really exciting to see what they do for the rest of the year. Obviously, we'll see what happens with the All-Star break because that's when we really see teams who they truly are and what they're going to do in their playoff runs. Um, But the Jazz, if there's any team I'm willing to bet on, it's the Jazz right now. Yeah, and one thing I want to say too, and I'm not sure if this is just me missing something, but I feel, and maybe it's because you're a 76ers fan, I'm a Celtics fan, but it seems like a lot of teams have already gone out. Like the Jazz, I don't think, make an East Coast run. I think maybe right before the end of the second half or something. Like I know they do come to Philly at some point, but like they don't make a trip to Boston. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying that makes their, I mean, they did, okay, earlier they did come to Brooklyn and New York. So they did um, play an East Coast trip. They have gone to Atlanta. So I don't know. But I mean, literally just looking at the the games they put up, I mean, they beat Milwaukee twice. They've beaten Dallas twice. Who's come kind of back to life and surging back. Uh, they beat Atlanta. They beat Indiana. They beat the Heat. They, like I said, they beat the 76ers. Um, yeah, they have a little bit of an East run. Um, they play right before the All-Star break, uh, February 26th, they play the Heat. The next day they play the Magic, and this is all away. Mm-hmm. Um, then they go and play the Pelicans two days later. And then okay. on Wednesday, right before the All-Star game, they play the 76ers. So Damn. they're, they're going to have an East trip cut out for them right before the All-Star break. But I think that's almost better Probably. than having a, bunch oh, yeah. of home ga- yeah, having a bunch of home games, the All-Star break, and then you go on a trip. Yeah, especially you know? if you are like a Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert and you're going to probably make the all-star team uh, if you decide to play that's that's a totally different thing but if you want to go to atlanta you're already here yeah uh, and, and they're running home. a gauntlet before the all-star play uh, all-star break they play the yeah. clippers twice they play the hornets who are getting hotter oh, and hotter uh, yeah then they got the lakers and then that east stretch i know the heat yeah. uh, magic and pelicans aren't anything to write home about but mm-hmm. it's still a road trip on teams closing in on the all-star break yeah no absolutely um my stats i got just donovan mitchell last four games 28 points a game six assists a game four rebounds uh rudy gobert 18 points 11 rebounds three blocks a game 83.9% from the field, three almost eight field goals, three blocks a game and 83% from the field, 83.9. So almost 84 That's and disgusting. shooting and shooting eight shots a game. It's not like he's just, you know, just not pulling shooting. Up. So yeah. yeah. So jazz are definitely a threat. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms Jordan of our teams, I know little cause for concern. Maybe, maybe the Celtics more than Philly, but are you, are you concerned at all about the 76ers? 
Not really, because they were beating some good teams up until this mini losing streak they're on. Um, they beat the Hornets, who were obviously, like I said, are getting hotter every game. Um, then they drop one to the Blazers. They beat the Nets only with Harden. So what can you really say there? But the Nets were fine um, before that trade. They beat a really good Kings team. Um, they got beat by the Trailblazers again, but only by a little bit. Then they lost to the Suns and the Jazz, which I'm totally cool with. I'm not worried. Um, we've beaten some really good teams all year. Uh, beat the Lakers, obviously, earlier. Beat the Celtics twice. Um, so we've had a pretty easy schedule. I think this is more of a gut check, like, hey, what can this team really be? What can they really do? Um, so I'm not worried at all. But, yeah. again, it, we'll, we'll see. We're, we have a pretty not easy schedule coming up on the All-Star break, but we got the Rockets. We got the Bulls. Raptors twice, the Mavs, the Cavs, Pacers, and then the Jazz to close it out. And the Pacers are pretty decent. They're and solid. The Jazz are the they're Jazz, they're doing know? what the Celtics are doing right now. They're about 500. Yeah, um, so I think this yeah. is a perfect schedule for a team coming up, up to the uh, All-Star break. Um, you know, just to have pretty easy uh, next couple of games. And then the last two were like, hey, these are the teams we're going to be seeing for the rest of the year. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think too. One thing with uh, with Philly is like they had been pretty much the most consistent team in the East because you see what the Celtics are doing now. You see the Nets like they'll go like I mean they go out and lose to the Wizards. I think they've lost to the Wizards twice, um, yeah. you know. And then they'll go out and beat like a Bucks or then they'll beat you know a Warriors. And then same with the same with the Bucks. They've had some games where last week we were talking about them on the show, and then they go up and throw out some duds um, this past week against some teams that aren't very good. So. Uh, it's kind of like the, it's kind of do it's a long season it's not like the nfl it's a long season you're going to lose some games you shouldn't lose you're also going to win some games you probably shouldn't win so you know it, it is what it is um but yeah and then obviously i know i've been saving this but the celtics man lost to detroit lost to washington they're two in they're one and two against the pistons this year and for some reason sadiq bay i don't know if that's how you pronounce his name averages nine points a game but then he plays the celtics and drops 30 like all of a sudden it's just like out of nowhere these guys are coming out of nowhere but not blaming it on that but um the one thing i did just want to throw out there on the celtics they're just they're playing inconsistent. Kemba, you know, played well against Toronto, played well against Washington, isn't playing back-to-backs, but then against Utah, he only threw up four points. Peyton Pritchard showing that he's a rookie, you know, had a great game against Toronto. Him and Shemi Ojale won them that game. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum did not play very well against uh, Toronto, or at least up to their standards. But then Peyton Pritchard comes back the next night against Detroit, has two points, has four points against Washington, who has one of the worst defenses. Uh, Tatum, I know, has mentioned he's starting to kind of have some more relapse symptoms from COVID, which isn't good. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on, especially with guys throughout the league, not just Jason Tatum. Uh, yeah. The biggest two concerning pieces I just have on the Celtics is that the Pistons gave up the wor- have given up the worst field goal percentage in the league at 48.5. The Celtics only shot 43%. And then Washington gives up the most points in the league, and the Celtics were only able to put up 91 and never really had a lead, never really even got a lead in that game. So am I concerned? Yes. Am I panicking? No. I think they're still going to finish in the top four in the East. I think they're going to finish at that four seed. Like I was saying a couple episodes ago, they'll finish at that four seed. They'll be around 500. If they make a move, great. I don't know if that's going to put them over the top just compared to what these East teams have. Maybe you get into the playoffs. You never know what happens, but it's tough. It's tough. It's kind of tough to watch right now just because their offense isn't doing yeah. the nights. Their offense is clicking. Their defense isn't the nights. Their defense is clicking. Their offense isn't. And that's really what a 500 team is. They just, you know, go on runs and go on stretches. So it's tough, yeah. especially after starting eight and three. That just what makes it worse. 
Exactly, but I think that shows the impact players like Marcus Smart have on that defense and on the defensive yes. side. Like, say what you want about him as an offensive player, but defensively, he's top ten in the NBA for oh, his yeah. positions. Like, he's he's incredible on defense. He's he's quick on the ball. His lateral quickness is very underrated, and he's just he knows how to play against smaller guys and bigger guys. You know, yeah. he, he's not too risky. He doesn't force too many fouls. But he will play aggressive when he needs to. He's very smart. Literally, Marcus Smart like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's he's grown. Watch kind of his progression in the NBA. He was second team yeah. All NBA two years ago. First team All NBA defense, and not second team All NBA, but second team All NBA defense. First team last year on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, you need you need guys like that to win a championship. Like I know there's people out there. All oh, let's cut ties with Marcus. And I mean, it really would depend who you get. But every team has a Marcus Smart that's won a championship. Every yep. team has somebody who comes off the bench. I know he's been starting a lot, but someone who usually comes off the bench and just gives them that defensive intensity, can hit threes, hits clutch shots. I mean, you've seen playoff Marcus before. Last year against Toronto, they don't win that series if it's not for Marcus Smart. So yeah. he was really the MVP of that series. I know Tatum and Brown played well, but Marcus Smart won them one of those games with his three-point shooting, won game seven with that huge block. So that's my Celtics news. It's hopefully, you know, can start stretching some wins together with these home stands and see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do moving forward, especially yeah. when they get their guys back from injury. Absolutely, absolutely. You got any more NBA news? Um, I mean, COVID's been hitting the NBA pretty hard as of late. The Spurs and the Hornets, um, they got it in Charlotte, it was said. So the Hornets are going to take the next couple of games to sit. I know the Spurs are probably going to end up prolonging the amount of games they that they postponed. Four, yeah. yeah, they have four. It's probably going to end up going to five or six, depending on how many how many guys still end up contracting it. Um, I think the Hornets are going to be fine two or three games. I, I doubt they it will be. They said they're going to start at two and then kind yeah. of go from there. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to impact them as much as it's going to impact the Spurs. Because as far as I'm concerned, no one on the Hornets is positive. They're all just close high risk. Yeah, that's yeah. I think it was, and it was only because four Spurs players tested. If it was like yeah. just one, maybe I don't know. Because like yeah. they didn't do it when the Celtics played, um, and like Tatum and then Grant Williams, Rob Williams, all those guys were like testing positive. So. Yeah. We'll see. I know it's kind of a, a toss up and now we'll see games might have to get moved to the second half of the season because there's just not enough time before the first half ends and the all-star break. Exactly. And I know one of the Cavaliers games got rescheduled for March 3rd or for this okay. Friday. I'm not sure which game. Yeah. There was, was one that was added to the schedule this Friday. I'm not too sure the team, yeah, maybe it was a Friday, Piston, Pistons game. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's Pistons, what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know they Caps had some issues. Fist. I know they had some issues too. So yeah. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, it's been a great NBA season so yeah. far. Um, obviously, Draymond's comments. I'm sure you and I. Yes, were talking I know about we're talking earlier. about Drummond. Yeah, yeah. If if you have not seen the video about Draymond Green talking about Andre Drummond, uh, go watch it because I think it's a great sort of mirror reflection image of the NBA and how teams will treat a player if he wants to get traded, but then how a team treats a player when the team wants to trade that player. Um, so do yourself a favor, go listen to that. Um, just to paraphrase, it's basically when a player wants to trade, they kind of get, um, uh, what's they the They get word shit on by the yeah. fan, by, by the media, by the owners, by fans even too. Yeah. So like, which talked to me three years ago, I'm like, why are teams asking for trades? Like play for the team you're on, have some loyalty. Kobe had loyalty. Like there aren't a whole lot of players in the NBA that have stuck with their team. Obviously Steph Curry is one, but the Warriors have been winning championships ever since he got there. Yeah. So like, it's easy to stay with the team like that. 
Um, but someone like uh, Drummond, who has never really been a winner in his career or even got a close to it, um, I think it's kind of bullshit that they're like, nope, we're going to sit you because we want to get rid of you. You know, it's just like, come on. Yeah, and yeah, what the, the one thing I want to just throw out there is that if you're in support of the owners, think about it. Yes, these players make millions. These owners make billions. They make yeah. billions off these players. So if you want to be on the side of the owners, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But any sport too, not just not just basketball, baseball. I know it comes up a lot. Football. Yes, these players make millions. These owners make billions. So just just put it in perspective. Whenever you're on the side of an owner, just just think about it. Yeah, okay. I know these players make a million dollars, but these owners make a lot more money off of these players. So just and both of the, oh sorry no 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 that was what I was gonna say. And, and most of the time, the owners have never played, not even professionally, but have never played the sport to begin with or anything serious. You're telling me third grade rec league doesn't count, Jordan? No, I don't think it does. <laughs> um, I know third third grade rec is a pretty impressive you know you got kids huffing and puffing over the water fountain after a game when they get 30 points and 20 rebounds but either way it's just it's just silly to me that an owner could come in and be like yeah we're gonna sit you because we don't want you it's like yes i get it from the coaching side of it where you want to get new guys in the rotation and you want to see who you're going to use after that player gets dealt and you want to rest them in case there's an injury and then they don't have any more trade value. I totally get it from the business side and the X's and O's side of it. But coming from the player's perspective, like he wants to showcase that he could play and is really worth the tradable value. Because guess what? He could go on a run those next couple of games. And guess what? Now you can get more players and more compensation for that guy that you want to sit on the bench because you yeah. just want to trade him for someone that helped you now or to help you later. It's total bullshit. I would say too, though, the, and not defending the owners. I know I just kind of shit on them, but um, Drummond is definitely like, I know Jared Allen is now the starter and Cleveland did tell him he was going to be the bench guy. So I know there has been some personnel issues in the locker room, things like that. You don't want stuff like that going on, especially around a young team like that. So I can understand why they're sitting him. It may have very well been mutual. I think where Draymond was getting at too, was just, just the amount of crap that James Harden got for it, for being the player demanding the trade versus Drummond and the team and no one's really batting an eye right now everyone's like kind of like okay they're sitting him they're gonna trade him so I don't think Drummond's really too upset that he's sitting right now especially because it's looking like he's probably gonna end up playing for a contending team and probably starting for whatever team he goes to so I don't think it's the end of the world for Drummond I think Draymond was just trying to throw out there that Harden the Harden situation shouldn't be looked at as like you know as bad the double standard is really what he was getting at so yeah cool is that it for the NBA? Yeah, I think we're good. We covered a lot. The, yeah. I think that's the most we've ever covered. Probably in that when it, when it wasn't power rankings and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Literally. That cool. was awesome. Baseball. We're doing baseball second tonight, everybody, too. So if you want football, you got to skip to the end. I'm sorry. This is my <laughs> this is my time of the year. I'm shining here. Uh, yes, sir. Jordan, start it out. Start it out. Hit her yeah, the Yeah, man. I got to talk about the Royals and going out <laughs> and getting Andrew Benintendi. Um, I think this is a great pickup. Yeah, honestly. for the Royals. Yes, for the Royals. I think uh, Benintendi is a very underrated player. Um, obviously didn't have the best 2020, but I think for any player, 2020 is an anomaly year, and you can't really count it. Except for but Benintendi, in, apparently. Exactly. But for 20, 2019, um, did a great job. You know, 266 batting average isn't something to write home about, but it's still very considerable. Um, his OPS 0.774, which is very good, uh, above the league average over the past couple of years, which is really nice to see. 
Um, is he going to be your slugger? Is he going to hit a lot of home runs, but he's going to get on base and he's going to do a great job in that regard. Um, so his overall great player that the Royals are getting definitely fills a need that they have. Uh, so for those reasons, uh, they're my hitter of the week and can easily, you know, they won this. When did they win the World Series? Like three, four years ago, two years uh, 2015. ago? 2015. 2015. Okay, so, so five, six years yeah, ago. Yeah, they're, they're not contending. I mean, no. at least we think they're not contending this year with the White Sox. Cle- I mean, I know Cleveland's traded away some pieces, but they always seem to be in the mix. Minnesota is always yeah. in it. So they're not contending this year. But Yeah, but again, it's it's a team that's rebuilding, and yeah. Ben is going to be a huge piece of that. Absolutely, absolutely, and he could even stick around. I know he's two years off on his contract. Definitely as a red, from a Red Sox fan perspective, um, we kind of knew this was coming. I know they mentioned it like a month ago we were talking about this. I, I think they jumped ship a little early on Benny. I'm going to be honest. They had So he has two years left on his rookie deal. He didn't have a great 2020. My thought process on this was even if you don't think you're going to re-sign him, in two years, why not wait until mid 2021 or even after the season to trade him? He, like you said, Jordan, I know we're kind of throwing out 2020 for him, but he didn't have a very good 2020. He knows that he only played in 14 games. He had that injury. Uh, 2019 was down from 2018 as well from the world series year, but that's obviously, you know, you go from a world series winner to a team that wins 84 games. Obviously your numbers are probably going to slide a little bit. Yep. The, the thing I just think that that really just boggles my mind is why not wait? Because not that they didn't get much for him. I think they got Franchi Cordero and they got some minor league pitcher for him. My thing is why not wait, you know, wait 2021 out. You, for, according to fan graphs, Red Sox have a 46% chance to make the playoffs in 2021. I don't know how true that is. They own the head of the Rays. I don't know how true that is, but um why not wait it out if you're in contention in 2021 keep him if he's doing well keep him see how it's going if you're not he's having a good season trade him then trade him to a contender maybe you'll get a little bit more or keep him guy's only 26 years old he's going to be 27 in july so i really think they just could have held on to him a little bit longer and really just you know waited it out he he helped you win a world series he scored 103 runs for that team in 2018 with mookie betts ahead of him he had guys behind him who could drive him in it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Could have been an all-star easily in 2018 as well. Uh, 2017 finished second in the rookie of the year voting, 155 hits, 20 homers and 90 RBIs his rookie, his first full season. He lost that rookie wow. of the year to Aaron Judge in, in 2017, obviously. Understandable. So, yeah, I mean, Judge did hit 52 homers in the only season that he stayed healthy. But beyond the fact of that... Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't like it from a Red Sox perspective, but hey, we're the Red Sox. So what do we do? You know what we do, Jordan? We go out world series two years later, either that because we sign guys, we go out and sign Marvin Gonzalez and Hirokazu Sawamura. That's what we do. I think you got that. Yeah. I think I actually nailed that right on the head. Um, Anyone who doesn't know who Hirokazu is, the big hero, that's what I'm going to call him. He's just going to be hero. Uh, Two year deal. Uh, Apparently the Japanese newspapers are like blowing him up. The Red Sox didn't have to do what they did with Daisuke Matsuzaka and like dish out like 150 mil just to get him. But, Red Sox added a bullpen arm there. He's pretty good numbers. And then Marwin Gonzalez. Do you know who Marwin Gonzalez is, Jordan? <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, let me tell you about Marwin Gonzalez. So didn't have kind of like Benny, didn't have a very good 2020, but uh, only hit 211. But basically excluding 2020 since he became an everyday player in 2016, his season averages, he plays about 134 games, uh, 17 homers, 66 ribbies, uh, about 59 runs a year. 26 doubles, 267 batting average, and a 329 uh, on base, 767 OPS. So right around where Benny's numbers really were. Um, so not losing much there. The biggest thing with Marwin Gonzalez, Jordan, you ready for this? You ready for this? I'm ready. It's the versatility of him. 
in his Ooh. career, he's played 250 games at shortstop. I didn't even know he played shortstop at one point. 159 games at first, 143 in left, 118 at third, 86 at second, and 42 in right field. So pretty much he can play Damn. any position for you other than catcher, center field, and pitcher. And I'm sure if you asked him to do it, he would do it. He had a huge year for the Astros in 2017 with the trash cans. Did knock in 90 runs that year, uh, but was a big part of their their runs in 2017 and 2018 to the world series and the ALCS. So uh, he's going to be, I know a lot of people aren't like hyping him up in Boston, but I think it's going to be a good signing for the Red Sox um, just to get some versatility. Like I said, a couple episodes ago, we got Kike Hernandez who can play the outfield, play second base. And uh, does this mean Jackie Bradley jr. Might be coming back to Boston. We'll see. I mean, I've been hearing a lot about it. Um, I think that'd be very interesting. Yeah. Well, the Mets, the Mets were a team rumored to him and they just signed Kevin Pillar, former Red Sox from last year. And uh, I, they, they were saying Jackie was like kind of overvaluing himself a little bit. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I've, I'm mad about the Benny trade, but if we can get Jackie Bradley back, I'd, I'd be okay. I'd, I'd call it a wash. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd be cool with that. I love Jackie. I think, I think we should keep him. I don't know if that's happening, but I would, I would love it if he came back. That'd be great. I would love to see that too. Cool. Uh, Jordan, your guy, James Paxton, former Yankee, going yeah. back to Seattle. Thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a good fit for him. I didn't think he, was, he wasn't he was a fit for the Yankees. Kind of, he reminds me a little bit of A.J. Brunette when he came to the Yankees. Just wasn't – never really fit in and definitely did not play as good as he normally does. Um, so I think it's fine that he ends up going back to the Mariners. Um, I'm sh- obviously, we'll see him this year at some point. Um, hope maybe once, maybe twice. Who knows? Seeing how the rotation goes. But yeah, I think it's a better fit when he uh, going back to Seattle and doing uh, what he does out there. Just yeah. was never a real fit for the Yankees over here. I think I think the toughest thing for him was the longevity. He's not. He's never started over 30 games in a season. He's never mm-hmm. pitched more than 160 and a third. So I know, you know, he, he had a good year for the Yankees in 2019. I believe he won 15 games or so. I mean, since 2017, he wins when the teams win when he pitches. He's 39 and 18 since 2017, 86 games, 360, 80 RA, uh, about 576 strikeouts. So, you know, he's a solid pitcher. He's not getting the innings. I mean, 576 strikeouts and 467 innings is pretty good. Is. But he's just not getting, he's just not staying healthy. I know he had injuries in 20. In 2020 so it's it's tough especially with that yankees team right now i don't really know what they're i mean garrett cole i know severino's coming back but i mean kluber i mean they signed kluber tanaka's gone but kluber's had his fair share of injury troubles over the last two years so it's i mean i'm still not concerned if i'm a yankees fan as i don't think you are but no i mean we don't care about pitching any year it doesn't seem like i don't i don't care you guys got dj (laughs) i was gonna say you guys got dj back you can figure that's all that matters (laughs) Uh, you're playing teams i mean the red sox did upgrade in the pitching department i will say but then Mm -hmm. the race take a hit trading blake snell but then you got the blue jays they're they're starting to come around yeah blue jays are gonna be dirty i think the blue jays are gonna make a run you guys will see that in our mlb season preview uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit closer to the regular season uh, I didn't even go over my hitter of the week yet. I just realized that. <laughs> go for it. Um, but I got Justin Turner returning to the, uh, I almost just said Brooklyn Dodgers. I was thinking Mets because <laughs> Mets was definitely a destination for Justin Turner, but he is going back to the Dodgers. I, if anyone hasn't heard of Justin Turner, definitely look him up. He's really great guy. It seems like mm-hmm. all his teammates love him. Didn't really get, I don't want to say he didn't get his career started till he was 30, but he, play, he actually did play for the Mets to start his career and was pretty much like a utility backup guy. Um, pretty much since he signed with the Dodgers in 2014 when he was 29. So between his age 29 and 35 seasons, he's played in 796 games, 116 homers, 406 RBIs. 
batting 302, 382 on base percentage. My that's God. pretty good. That's nuts. Um, OPS 886. I mean, he's just, he's, he's good. I mean, and he's, wow. he's doing this all over the age of 30. I know baseball kind of like football. We have that like age of 30 is really when you start to decline. Uh, he's done the exact opposite. He's aged mm-hmm. like fine wine. Uh, so if you look him up, I know he, he was the guy too. If you, if you don't watch baseball, he was the guy who, when the Dodgers won the world series, found out in the eighth inning of the game, they won the world series that he had COVID and then did go out to celebrate with the team, uh, which I know some people had in question, but that's a different, that's a debate for, uh, last October. Um, the other thing on turn, I just wanted to go over his postseason numbers are huge. 72 games. I mean, if you think about it every year, since he started 2014, through 2020, the Dodgers have been in the playoffs. They did win a World Series, made it to two other World Series. Uh, 72 games, 79 hits, 295 average, 392 OBP, and an 899 OPS. Uh, so he's, you know, just proving that he's a winner. Uh, good for him getting the money that he got. I believe it was a two-year deal for $34 million with a club option for a third season. I heard Milwaukee did offer him something similar, but... I can see why he wants to stay with the Dodgers with that yeah, team. That's them a great deal. Trevor Bauer, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. I mean, they're pretty much bringing back the same team other than Kike Hernandez and Jock Peterson, who are more so role players, not, not discrediting what they did for that team. They definitely had some huge hits, but um, they can, they can fill those voids. It seems like with, you know, MVP candidates, Cy Young award candidates. I mean, it's funny to think they have a rotation with three former Cy Young winners and Walker Bueller is not one of those and potential a future Cy Young award winner. So the Dodgers favorites to win the NL West again. I don't know, Jordan, you think the Padres are going to catch them? Or? Uh, I honestly, I could definitely see the Dodgers repeating um, yeah. over anyone else. Um, you know, the only other the Padres, maybe, um, maybe the Blue Jays, if they have a really good year and everyone bands together on that team and they make a world series run, maybe them, but I think it's going to be Dodgers again this year. And I don't think, that's far-fetched to say whatsoever. Yeah, I, I really see them as the – they are the favorites. I think the Yankees are the second, like, Vegas odds favorites. The Padres yeah. are up there. The White Sox are up there, even well, though the they're Yankees, a young team. But Yeah, the Yankees are always up there just because yeah. they're the Yankees. Like, I, I don't think they make it past the um, the second round this year. So, like, the ALCS? Uh, yeah. No, 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 the ALDS. Sorry, yeah. I don't know why. I yeah, so they're, the yeah, they're, they're not – they didn't expand the playoffs this year, so it's just going to be back to the five teams, wild card game all that fun stuff. So um, yeah, no, yeah. I don't think they make it past the ALDS this year. Oh, and look at that. We start talking about baseball. I get really into it. I stop looking at the Celtics and all of a sudden they're up nine. I'm like, okay. So casual. I'm just going to, so we're just going to talk about baseball for the next three hours. Um, Jordan, <laughs> who was your favorite player from 2003? There's a good chance you get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, any, and then anything else in baseball? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, really... I was going to say, no, go ahead. Uh, Alex Colome, I really okay. like that pickup uh, for the White Sox. Um, he, out of all the pitchers that did terrible in 2020, he was a guy that did good. Yes, he's a closer, so it's not that big of a sample size. But in 21 games, gets 12 saves, a .81 ERA, which is a career low for him, and it's not even close. His career low before that was a 1.91. Was that in 2016? Yeah, yep, 2016. Look at yep. you. Um, <laughs> You know, and he, he did a really great job, even got two wins on 21 games, which is really good for a closer, 16 strikeouts. Um, only two earned runs against him, which is great. Yeah. Um, and if you take that to a year-long average, he he got thir- he would have had 39 saves at 162-game pace, which is a very good wow. save number to have as a closer. Um, just for reference, in 2019, the total team average was 39. So not even player average, 
team average was 39. So he was outpacing teams last year in his 2020 season. Yeah, he uh, he's been really he was really good with the Rays. He had that 26 2016 All Star season, like you were talking about. Like you said, really good with the White Sox last year was a big part of what they did. I think we could kind of see him leaving the White Sox after they signed Liam Hendricks. Uh, kind of is what it is. I was hoping the Red Sox. I, I feel like I say this all the time, but I was hoping the Red Sox got him because they needed the bullpen help. But like I said, they got uh, the big hero. So uh, Hiro Swar—I messed it up. That you time. had it earlier. Hiro Kazu Saramura. <laughs> Uh, so, Hey, who knows though? Red Sox, like I said, Fangraphs got him at 46% chance to make the playoffs. They had them. If you look at the percentages, it was like they had Yankees, Blue Jays. And then I think they had like the White Sox were up there. And then like they had the Red Sox over like Oakland, the angels, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, like the defending AL champs. I know they traded Snell, but still they always find their way in there. So like, I'll, I'll hope if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm going to, you know, we traded Mookie, so. We'll yeah. see. That, that, that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's, it's super yeah. interesting about Colome because uh, 2017, the year after his all-star year, got 47 saves, mm-hmm. but allowed almost double the ERA. So it's just, it's very weird to see for, going from 37 to 47 and only eight games more played. And he allows almost double the ERA. Yeah, um, that's just a very interesting stat to closer, me. To closer and reliever ERA, I would say it's obviously important, but I would say you could have like yeah. three games as a reliever where you just give up like five runs in an inning and just yeah. have three and crap innings and that kills it. If like you pitch another 40 innings and only give up like five runs in those 40 innings, it just, it's yeah. tough to look at, but I, I mean, it, it's important. Like if you see guys consistently at one or under one or even at two, like that's still really good. So, so what would be a better, so educate me and okay. the fans at home who aren't as into baseball as you are. Yeah. What would be, would whip be a better whip? Whip is how? definitely yep. a good one. I mean, ERA is a good one. I'm not saying it's a bad one um, for guys who aren't um, closers. The hold stat is a good one. Yep. Um, whips a good one honestly with relievers too sometimes analytics are are a little bit better to look at just to see how they match up against certain hitters um batting average against is obviously going i know that kind of ties into whip because whip is walks per hit walks and hits Mm. per nine but are guys hitting him um because sometimes relievers too are like can give up more walks like you see closers who sometimes like i know rivera wasn't really one of those guys but like a jonathan papelbon a craig kimbrell but they'll even they'll even pitch around guys because their their number one pitch is their fastball and now major leaguers can hit 101 mile an hour fastball it's not like guys who throw 100 miles an hour yes it's cool but it's not like what it used to be like when aroldis chapman first got in the league i mean you saw tampa bay this year they they just brought guys out of the bullpen who just fired 98 99 100 101 so definitely i'd say whip um, batting average, just how many base runners they allowed. Obviously, I think ERA is definitely an important factor to look at. Um, obviously, it's not like end-all, be-all, because you can still get – saves are important too, blown saves. If anyone doesn't know what a blown save is, um, pretty much it's if you have a save opportunity and then you basically give up runs and the, the team that you're playing either ties it or takes the lead. So, um, like, wins, losses. I know you know this probably isn't the best stat to look at for a reliever because no. you can come in give up one run, and it could even be on, like, an error or something, like something that you didn't control and you get the loss. So Yeah. So, yeah, um, like I said, batting average against analytics. Um, whip is a big one. Strike Strikeouts is a pretty big one, too, because you can walk guys all you want and have, like, a whip over, too. But if those guys aren't scoring, then that's obviously huge, too. Um, yeah. 
especially if you're throwing gas, you know, you're not, you're not throwing it right down the middle every time. If your number one pitch is your fastball, you're going to throw that up and in, down and away, things like that. So try and get guys chasing. So that's my two cents. Um, One question, one other question while we're on the Yankee topic, they signed Jay Bruce to a minor league deal. Uh, Do you think Brett Gardner's coming back? Do you think he's retiring? I, I think he's, since Derek Jeter left, he's been an embodiment of what being a Yankee means. So I think they bring him back for that purpose. I don't think he gets as many games as he used to in the past. He's been a project since day one. I remember going to his first game he ever played. Just super fast, super quick, good fielder, but didn't have a good bat. Obviously, his bat's gotten better and better every year, has regressed the past couple. So I think just based on team morale purposes, they'll bring him back, and they're going to try to talk him down on a contract. But either way, like, I think that's a guy, if you give up, only hurts us, and it doesn't help us in any way because – he, he, as far as I'm concerned, I don't I don't know if this is accurate, but he's the oldest guy on the team. Yeah, oh, going yeah. into this year. Yeah. So I think you need that veteran presence there, especially with some young guys. I know DJ LeMay, he was up there in age, but he just finally started getting good. So I don't know if he's going to be the guy that players are going to look to. So I think just for uh, veteran purposes, you bring Brett Gardner back on a one-year deal, try to talk it down a little bit, put him in games where you need him. Um, obviously – start him in the field at the beginning of the season and then slowly bring him out as our prospects get in yeah. um, and our minor league guys start to move up. Um, we have a lot of options at the outfield this year, which is really great to see. I think you need that if you're the Yankees too, just because yes. judges, you like, I hate to shit on judge, but you know, he can't always stay healthy. Aaron yeah. Hicks has had some injury troubles over the past mm. few years. Clint Frazier. I don't know if he's ever had any injury troubles, but I know Clint Frazier. He just, he's inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah, he's, so having, having, yeah. Uh, Sorry, yeah. When when he's on, he's one of the best outfielders and hitters in the league. But when he's off, like the whole team feels it. So yeah. I think that's why they're very hesitant on making Clint a true starter on our team, playing 150 good. to 160 games a year. They're like, yeah. In 2018, I was at a conference in Indianapolis towards the end of June. And I was at a minor league game in Indianapolis where they traveled to Indy, watched him play. Two weeks later, I go to a Yankee game and he's in the Yankee game. Like, that's like, to me, that's, that's what happened with me with Benny. Crazy. Ben and Tendi, yeah. same thing. I was in Portland up at my parents' place in Maine. We saw Benny, and then, like, all of a sudden, he's playing. 2016, he's playing against the against the Yankees. Almost, I, I should have seen his first major league homer. They called it bat. They didn't call it a homer. Replay uh, showed it was a homer. I don't get it. Uh, didn't make yeah, a difference. That's crazy. It was, yeah. So, those are the guys you grow up with. So, rip, rip Benny, What's, rip Mookie. Uh, quick. Quick thing before we move on, because you're pretty much done with MLB. Yeah, I've, I've covered all my baseball. You guys yeah. you guys will hear more about it soon. <laughs> For sure. Quick question. What is the coolest milestone slash achievement that you've seen at a live MLB game? Ooh. Oh, MLB. Okay. I had a really good hockey one ready to go to. Oh, shoot your um, hockey one while you think of your MLB. Let's see. Yeah, well, I think of my MLB one. So last year in Philly, I went to Zidane Ochara, who's now no longer a Bruin. I went to his thousandth game as a Bruin. That's uh, awesome. which was pretty sick. Cause I, he's always, him and Bergeron were two of my favorites. And then Bergeron actually got produced. Bergeron actually got his, uh, like a cut, like a week or two later, right before mm-hmm. COVID like shut down the league. Cause I was in like mid January. So I think in mid February, Bergeron got his baseball. Oh, Ooh. I'm trying. I've been to so many games. Do you I want think me I've to been say to mine? Over, yeah, go for it. So the cool, I'll, I'll give two. Cause they're for the same player. Um, 
So precursor, um, on my 10th birthday, we were at Yankee Stadium on July 31st, which is my birthday, and A-Rod got robbed of two home runs when he was, he was at 499, so he was about to hit his 500th, and I believe at the time would have been the youngest player to hit 500. I think so. Um, yeah, he, he was, and then Pujols is the new youngest to hit 500, right? I think so. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Um, yes, and then th- uh, five days later, or four days later on August 4th, he hit his 500th. Then three years later in 2010, I was 13, just turned 13 two days prior or three days, four days prior. And he cracks his 600th home run. My, and my dad, he's, this is a cool story. So my dad, he's, he will say like, he won't make predictions often, but when he makes predictions, shit happens. Like we were, uh, he was at a Met game with his buddy. And it was, it wasn't DeGrom, but it was some, it was a pitcher that was Syndergaard. Uh, Syndergaard. Yes. That's okay. who it was. So he predicted Syndergaard would hit not one, but two home runs. I think it was one of his first like games batting. He cracked two home runs. This is back in 2013, 2014. I want to find this. <laughs> yeah. So he hit two home runs. My dad called both and my buddy sitting with him like, oh, that's just a fluke. Doesn't matter. Some guy was up. I think it was a lefty. And he was like, and they're sitting in the, um, they're sitting in the left side stands. And he's like, hey, uh, this kid's going to hit a foul ball to us on a 2-1 count. Sure enough, 2-1 comes up, comes over, uh, he hits it, comes over to my dad, catches it, hands it to his buddy. Um, so that just shows, like, I know that kind of sounds weird to hear, but my dad, when he predicts stuff, it happens. So we're sitting in the stands. We're in uh, second-level uh, right field home run. And he's like, it's a 2-0 count. And he just looks at me and goes, A-Rod, center shot right on the, uh, the net cracks it center shot right onto the net on a 2-0 count. All right, this made me think of. So I have I have two. So yep. I was at game 2 of the 2013 World Series. Now, this was the only game in the 21st century in the World Series that the Red Sox lost at home, and I just happened to be there. But David Ortiz was up. I was there with my uncle, and my uncle had one tickets to this game too. So I he called he thought he had only won one ticket, so he won two. And yeah. he was already at the stadium. So my dad was like, you go, you go. But my dad drove me there because I think I was like six, 15, 16, 17. So he drives me there. We're sitting there. Red Sox are down one nothing. Ortiz comes up. And you, anyone who knows 2013 in Boston, that was the Boston Marathon bombing year. This is our fucking city. David Ortiz, everything like that. That Red Sox team wasn't supposed to win Jack. And they you know, were in the World Series, up one nothing in the series. So they're down one nothing. I think it was the sixth inning. And I'm recording on my phone. And I look at my uncle and I go, he's going to hit, Ortiz is going to hit a homer here. Two pitches later, Ortiz hits one over the left field fence. You can't see it on my phone because it's shaking and we're under the cover and you can't see anything. But there was that. I have that video somewhere. I will find it. But I was screaming and it was the loudest I've ever heard Fenway Park. Like I said, the Red Sox ended up losing that game. The other one I had, 2008, I believe it was July, either 29th or 30th, Red Sox were playing the Angels. So Manny Ramirez's second to last game as a Red Sox, but his last game where he went into the Green Monster to probably take a piss or whatever he did when he went into the Green Monster. Uh, so it was right before he got traded to the Dodgers. I, being my 11-year-old self, thought it was cool at the time to, like, you know me with my stats. I love to write down, like, stat, like, like score the game. I was scoring yeah. the game, like, on my – and I bought, like, the $2 program with my own money. So I'm That's sitting awesome. there. We had really good seats too. We, I think someone, my, again, my uncle always has connections to the Red Sox. He, um, he had no, someone's was, he knew someone with seasons tickets. So we kind of just got those tickets sitting right behind like home plate and first base. And John Lackey for the angels at the time through eight innings had a no hitter. 
and I'm scoring it. So I'm kind of like after, and I like, I'm still young at that point where I'm kind of like, come on, please get a hit. But after a while, like even as an 11 year old, I'm like, I kind of want him to throw a no hitter. It was like eight to no, seven to nothing. I think I was like, I kind of want to see that I'm scoring the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of sitting there like, shit, like, am I going to score like a, a major league no hitter? And then in the ninth inning, I think there was one out. Pedroia hit a single and then Euclid hit a two run homer. And other than that, Ortiz home run to that point, that Euclid homer was like the loudest I've heard Fenway and it made it like seven to two. And I was kind of like, shit, <laughs> like I was pissed. I was like, I kind of wanted to see John Lackey throw a no hitter. Two years later, he came in and pitched with the Red Sox and actually started 2013 game two of the World Series for the Red Sox. So didn't know that's that story awesome. was even going to come back full circle, but <laughs> Uh, that's my baseball history for the day. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> so I want to continue on mine. So the, yeah. the A-Rod, that first one was his 600th home run three years to the date after his 500th home run. Oh, wow. And my dad called that. Then my senior year, I think a week before graduation, my mom and I go into the um, we go into the Yankee game. It's a night game. I think they might have been playing the Orioles or the Rays. I know it was a divisional matchup. Um, and – this was right around the time when, like, it was A-Rod's uh, going to be one of his last years. So, hashtag forgive was this big thing. And the I in forgive and the E in forgive were replaced with a one and a three to, like, forgive A-Rod for what he did. Like, he's still a great ball player. Like, still a solid person. You know, like, anything I've seen of him, he's not been this, like, hidey tidy like, narcissistic fuck that a lot of people say he is. Um so, like, to me, like, I still think he's a solid human being. But, again, other people have different experiences. Um, and we're there. And he hit a home run for his 3,000th career hit, which was really cool to see. So, him and Derek Jeter both hitting home runs for their 3,000th. Yep. Obviously not the same year, but still really cool. Was it a walk-off? Uh, no, it was – I think it was, like, the first inning he oh, hit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he cracked it. I think it was a, it was a two-run shot maybe. It might okay. have been uh, left field. Um, it was really cool to see that. So to see A-Rod hit two big-time career milestones that not a whole lot of players hit, and to hit, obviously, a home run for the 600 home run, but then a 3,000 hit getting a home run on that was really cool. So, yeah, that's my MLB uh, milestone story. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, I really like that one. I've also seen Greg Maddox pitch. That was pretty cool, too. Hall of Famer. Anytime yeah. you can see a Hall of Famer pitch, that's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, cool. All right. You ready for uh, yes? Last, last but not least. So this week in football, I know everybody enjoyed the QB carousel game from what I heard that we played. Mm-hmm. So this week we're doing five free agents that we think are leaving their team, and we have the team we think they're going to sign with. Yes, and to be to clarify, we are not doing quarterbacks since we yes, did the quarterback we did, carousel we last week. We did our fair share of quarterbacks last week. So, yeah. um, Jordan. This was kind of your idea, so I'm gonna let you yeah. you kick it and off. Want to go? We'll go we'll, kind of like we did last time with Ross. Just go one for one. Yeah, and then we'll start from five, working our way up to one, because I know we have a list in one to five. Oh, on cool. Mine weren't in so. any order, but I'm gonna I'm gonna. Oh, perfect. Yeah, whatever. Go yes. ahead. <laughs> so I went in order, not necessarily like who I think the best free agents are, but I think these are the best fits for the teams that I have them going to. And number five, not a whole lot of people know about this guy, but Taylor Moden from the Carolina Panthers will get picked up by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, past four or five years have had one of the worst offensive lines ever. They ever since they lost Andrew Whitworth in free agency to the Rams, that offensive line has not been the same. Um, Jonah Williams playing his first full season did good. Quinton Spain's an ad- admirable offensive guard for that team. 
But other than that, they're trash. Um, so I think getting Taylor Moden, who's a good young right tackle, I believe he's 26 or 27. Um, I think if he goes there, really helps out a banged up uh, offensive line. There are reports that he is going to get franchise tagged, but I don't know if that's the best option for the Panthers to go with. I think they can save that for a couple of other players on that team. But uh, I think that, I think that's a big need, especially for Joe Burrow, young quarterback who got obliterated last year by Chase Young yeah. on that nasty leg injury. Um, it's an immediate upgrade from Bobby Hart to Taylor Moden. So I, I hope that happens. I doubt it will because of the franchise tag rumors. But if that does happen, he goes to Cincinnati. I think that's a huge needed upgrade for that Bengals team. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to go out of order already because I just want to go off that point and what I had. Um, I actually had an offensive guard for the Bengals as well. Uh, former, or I think soon to be former Patriot. I don't know if they're going to resign him. Uh, guard Joe Thune, um, really great guard. One of the top guards in football over the past few mm-hmm. years. Um, he had an 85 uh, pass block score two of the last three seasons per Jordan's favorite website, PFF. Uh, obviously, like you said, the banged up offensive line, Joe Burrow needs that, especially coming off of an ACL injury. That's something you don't want to get your quarterback. You know, you don't want him to keep getting hit on that. Um, definitely could use more help in the run game go though. We all know Joe Mixon signed that long-term contract so they could use help there. Uh, the Bengals in 2020 did give up the six most sacks during the season. So just some no- more numbers on Tooney, uh, zero sacks in 2018 and 1120 snaps. That was the third most snaps amongst guards in the NFL 2019, one sack and 1140 snaps, which was the second most, uh, snaps taken in the NFL. And then last year he did have two sacks. Uh, only got into 980 snaps, which was 21st among guards. But still, um, you're playing with Cam Newton, who's a little bit more mobile too. So you don't know how many sacks of those could have been on Cam Newton. I didn't watch any film on it. But I think, like you said, Jordan, you're spot on. The Bengals definitely need help there. So Tooney might be a really good fit uh, for a young team like that. Has Super Bowl experience, has playoff experience, and is one of the top guards in, in the game. Yeah, and I think the Pats, it's smart to get rid of him because they have Michael Owenwu, who is mm-hmm. a very good rookie offensive lineman. He played left guard, right guard, right tackle, um, and dominated at every single spot. So I think to get rid of him, to save up some cap, move Michael back to the inside, or even move, I doubt they'll do this, but move Andrew, uh, David Andrews to the left guard spot and then pick up a center in either free agency or the draft, I think might be a solid move. I just think for David Andrews and what he, uh, the experience he brings that offense would not be the best idea. Someone that the... Um, Someone that the Pats could get in the draft. Uh, Wyatt Davis, I believe he's a guard out of Ohio State. I do have that right. Uh, He's the highest graded guard um, right now in the draft. So if they miss out on Kyle Pitts, I think it's a good reach for the Pats to do if uh, they let Joe Tooney walk. Um, I think that's a great move for them to make and keep Owenwu at right tackle where he was the most effective last year. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. I mean, they have a pretty good offensive line is, is I know Isaiah Wynn too drafted a few years ago, didn't yep. play his rookie year, but he's been pretty solid. So uh, knock on wood, the Patriots offensive line has been pretty solid over the past couple of years. So I know Tooney has been a huge part of that, but um, in bill, we trust and finding someone else if, if needed. So um, definitely cool. Who else do you have? I got a fun one here. How about Todd Gurley to the Miami dolphins? I do see free agent. Yeah, he is a free okay, agent. He signed a, he signed a one year with the Falcons. Oh, um, okay. I thought it was two. That's my bad. Nah, Gurley had a very sneaky season that a lot of people did not know about. Um, obviously, is nothing what he used to do, but uh, 678 yards on 195 carries, nine touchdowns, had 25 receptions. Also, 
had a 3.5 average per carry, which obviously is not great. It's below his career average, but coming back from multiple arthritis issues and a couple of leg injuries as well, um, it's good to see that he kind of picked that up and was still able to produce touchdowns for a very lackluster Falcons offense. Um, I think he would be a great fit in Miami. I, I do have the Dolphins getting Najee Harris uh, at the end of the first round, a little sneak preview to my mock draft, which we'll put up next week, a couple of weeks from now, Probably, yeah. our first mock draft. Yeah. So um, I think Todd Gurley would be a great lead back and then Najee Harris kind of helping it in the receiving role side of it. Um, I think Gask- Gask- I was going to say Gaskin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gaskin's a good running back. It's just, I think that he, there's not a lot of film on him and that's why he succeeded the way he did. And he's a great fantasy running back, but I don't think he's a starting caliber guy. If they couldn't make Jordan Howard and they couldn't make Matt Burita work, I don't think Gaskin's going to work for them much longer. So I think you get a more experienced, like, let's put it this way. Would you rather have Miles Gaskin or Todd Gurley? Who would you rather take? I mean, probably Todd Gurley. Everyone forgets, too. He's not even 30 yet. Yeah. He's only 27. Yeah, he's young. Like, he's pretty, like, new to this. Not new to this NFL thing, but but he's got a young career for running back. You know, he's probably got two or three more years left in the tank. Mm -hmm. And someone who's dominated and has has two off years of rest, like, he might go till he's 31, 32 before we see him start to regress if he gets back to the true form like he was in 2018. Yeah. Um, obviously, I doubt we'll ever see that type of production from him again, but I think he can do better than what he did this past season with the Falcons. I think, too, it's interesting what you said. Flores could very well take a play out of the Bill Belichick book and just have a three running back attack. Yeah. If they get Harris, Gurley, Gaskin. I don't know. Is Breda or Howard? I know Howard's not under contract. Is Breda under contract this year? I don't think he is either. Okay. I think they both signed one-year deals, but gotcha. I could be wrong. Okay. Well, either way, I mean, I think I think – especially like we were saying a couple episodes ago too, with like Derek Henry being kind of out of, I don't want to say like uncommon, but just, you don't see too many one back attacks anymore in the league. So just to kind of diversify what they have back there, get a guy with some veteran experience, like Gurley, even if they don't draft Najee Harris, I mean, we all know Gaskin, what was, that was his rookie year last year, right? Uh, no, he's been in the league for two years. I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, shows what I know. Yeah. But, but he, anyways, he never, he never played he never, anything yeah. significant up to that point. Yeah. So I think that would be interesting to have the, the two-back attack there. Um, so, yeah. Um, guess anything else you want to add on that? Because I had another running back I like to talk about. But yeah, go for it I, just, first. I just don't know what happened with Jordan Howard because his first two years put up over 1,000 yards. Yeah. Um, it was just a nasty runner with the Bears. And then ever since he left, like, since he left, Mitch Trubisky's been terrible. Any quarterback that they tried to use in that system has been bad. Not David Montgomery was very good this year, but I think if he stays in that Bears offense, he's a much better player than what he is now, obviously. Um, has had had half the carries with the Eagles in 2019, and then this year only got 35 attempts. Like to me, they were all like goal line carries pretty much, right? Yeah, he, he had four he had one point two yards of carry and four touchdowns. Yeah. Like so, that is a stupid stat line. Yeah. That's yeah, he was basically their goal line back. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the guy I want to talk about, I know he's been rumored to Miami a lot too, so that's why I want to talk about him. I got Chris Carson going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh. I know that's kind of a hot take, uh, but Chris, and this is, again, showing my NFL knowledge compared to Jordan's, but um, Chris Carson, over a 1,000-yard rusher uh, in 2018, 2019, missed some games in 2020, but still had a really good year. Um, on a 16-game average, though, over his last three years, 
He's put up almost 1,200 yards, 1,195, eight touchdowns, 4.6 yards a carry, which is huge. 16.2 carries a game. So that's, you know, huge there. 37 receptions, 297 receiving yards on that average. Did have a career high in uh, yards per carry in 2020. I know, again, only did play 12 games, but that was with that Seattle offensive line that I know did not protect Russell Wilson very well. Um, Does have to clean up his fumbles, though. I know he did that better job of that in 2020, but he did have seven in 2019. Uh, The reason I have Pittsburgh, I know James Conner is kind of like the hometown hero. I think they might try and re-sign him, but he's really just not the guy. He's not going to be your primary back. Um, The last time the the Steelers did have a thousand yard rusher was Le'Veon Bell. I think Connor was on pace for that in 2018, but then again, with the injuries, he didn't end up quite getting there. But last year they were last in the league in rush yards and rush yards per carry. They were 27th in rush TDs. And like I said, they haven't had a thousand yard rusher. So I think Carson adds a little bit more depth to them, uh, can catch the ball, can run the ball. Um, you know, obviously can run the ball, but especially with guys like Marquise Pound, the uh, Marquise Pouncey, right? He was the one with the Steelers. Yeah. He was yeah. okay, good. I know my shit. He was um, <laughs> with him retiring. I think definitely just having a more veteran presence at running back will be huge um, for the Steelers. So I could see him going there. I know we all know Ben Roethlisberger likes cute, uh, running backs. He can catch the ball. Like I said, Lev Bell. Having anybody remember Rashard Mendenhall? He he had some nice catches as well. James Conner mm-hmm. was a good receiving back. So. Uh, we all know that he likes to have guys who can catch the ball. So that's why I think Chris Carson might be a good fit with, with the Steelers. Yeah, I really, I could see him in a Steelers uniform. Uh, that 32 does look nice in it. Um, I don't know if anyone wears 32 right now. I don't think there I don't is. Know. Um, can't pull anyone off the top of my head. Probably someone like Mike Hilton, but I think he wears like 20 or something yeah. like that. Um, but again, I think that'd be a great spot for him to go. I think especially Ben coming up on the end of his career next year will probably be his last, especially with losing his staple center for the past 10 years in Marquise Pouncey. Um, fun fact, they both, uh, Marquise and Mike, uh, the two twins from Florida, both decided to retire together. I thought that was really cool that they did that. Um, two of the best run blocking centers in the league over the past decade, uh, just mauled nose tackles and defensive tackles all season long, every year they played. Um, so cool to see that they kind of did a farewell together. But I think Chris Carson going there would be a good pick. I just don't know what's going to happen with that offensive line. Yeah. Alejandro Villanueva has been regressing every year. Still a good left tackle. I don't know if they bring him back. I think they should with Marquise uh, retiring. But overall, I think it would be a good signing for them. Um, I, I think they I definitely couple... need they definitely need a running back. Maybe yes. Gurley. I know you mentioned Gurley. That might not be a bad yeah. fit, but I think they need a running oh number one running back, which Chris Carson yeah. is. They haven't had that since Lev. Bell. I mean, I shouldn't say that because James Conner did have some really good years, but he, again, the injuries. Yeah, but like the same production Lev Bell had, not even close. Yeah, um, no. But I think Lev Bell is a product of his offensive line, and I said this four years ago. Like, if you put him on any other team, he's a he's not even top twenty running back. He's a big product of his offensive line regardless of what he can do after the catch. He's turned into more of a receiving back, if anything else, because he cannot get it done between the tackles like he did it with Pittsburgh his first couple of years there. Yeah. Um, and that Pittsburgh offensive line was top five in the NFL for four or five years when they were yeah. all together. Um, but Chris Carson, I said this a couple of episodes. When I watched his preseason film in, I think, 2017, 2018, when he was a rookie, I was like, this kid's going to be a stud in the league. Gets hurt week uh, week two or week three broke his leg was done for the year and has still that's a hard injury to come back from especially, yeah, especially as, running back. I was gonna say, as a running back you don't yeah. want to break your leg 
and he and he wasn't like a receiving threat either, like coming out of college, and he's turned into a receiving threat now. Um, so that's just crazy to see what he's been able to do. I think it would be a, a great benefit to that Steelers offense, especially with how they sputtered out at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, that'd be a great move for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you got three. Who you got? Uh, number three, I struggled who to put at three because they're two very similar players. I ended up going with Matt Judon to the Tennessee Titans. The other guy I had uh, opposite him was Bud Dupree going to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think Judon walks no matter what, no matter what they give him, because I don't think he wants to stay in Baltimore much longer. Um, and I think he could do even better on a team like Tennessee, who was bottom five in defense, uh, did not do well getting to the, uh, to the uh, quarterback. Um, Jadavion Clowney was kind of a big miss for them this year. Not even kind of. He was probably the biggest miss from free agency last year. Um, so I think Judon immediately gives him that edge threat. He can also come back and play coverage, which not a whole lot of edge rushers can do. Um, so I think that's a immediate upgrade for one of the worst defenses in the NFL, more so than Bud Dupree going to the Ravens, who already have a very good defense, even with uh, Matt Judon potentially leaving this offseason. Yeah, I don't have much to say on him. I don't watch him too much. I kind of pulled up his stats here. Definitely gets to the quarterback a lot. His coverage does look good, forces some fumbles. So, um, I mean, I know who he is, obviously. I know he plays for the Ravens. So I think that would be good for Tennessee. But it's funny because you're talking about edge rushers for Tennessee. Um, and there was another edge rusher who actually spoke with Tennessee today. I don't know if you know his name. Um, like electrical, electrical Watts or something like that. E.E. E. Watts. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. ACDC. Yeah, ACDC, like that. yeah. Um, one, two, three into the four. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I got J.J. Watt going to the Green Bay Packers. I don't really have any stats behind it. I think this was kind of everyone's like first thing, like, oh, he's going to the Packers. I think the Titans wouldn't be a bad fit for him. He's already come out and said he wants to go somewhere where he can win. Like, he's 31. He's made enough money. Like, obviously, money's important, but he, if it's a little bit less... I don't see why he wouldn't want to go to the Packers because they're definitely poised to win it. They have money. I know they've been rumored to guys like Allen Robinson, things of that nature. Um, some good receivers. Their defense was pretty solid last year. Two NFC championship game appearances. And everyone forgets JJ Watts from Wisconsin. He went to school at Wisconsin. So, you know, why not end your career where or potentially not end your career, but why not finish your career and try and win a Super Bowl in your home state? And probably I think a team that's probably in the top three or four next year, just going into it other than maybe I know the chiefs have been rumored to him a lot um, as well, but I mean, really, why not? I mean, the bucks I know have been mentioned. So, but I, I think the Packers, you know, why not end it in your hometown? Yeah, I and for the Packers, they are um, 19 million over the cap, almost 20. I did. Yeah. Um, so they, they would have to backload his contract, which a guy like JJ, I don't think you want to do. He's going to be 32 next year or 31 coming 32, into next yeah. year. Yeah. So 31 or 32. Um, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how if he's going to even be willing to take a pay cut in probably the last two real productive years of his career, still a menace off the edge. I uh, can get it done stuffing runs on the inside. Obviously the numbers don't show it, but if you look at it from a film basis, he still, he was the best defensive player on that team last year yeah. has been probably a top five defender in this league throughout his career. Uh, I was looking at his rookie film. Holy shit, dude. He's <laughs> insane. I forgot how good he was as a rookie yeah. and then one defensive player of the year the following season. Um, 
But JJ, I I like the Green Bay move. I just don't know if they have the money to do it. And yeah. I don't even know if they necessarily have a need because Kenny Clark's still there. Dean Lowry, I think, is going to make a move. I'm, I'm not positive, but they don't they don't need the edge help either. Zadarius Smith is still there. Another Baltimore Raven veteran who Matt Judon could have the same sort of impact Zadarius had, who was very good on the Ravens, but then took it to a superstar level um, when he went to another team. Um, but JJ, I'm not sure if they really need him. They have Preston Smith. They have Rashawn Gary, who are solid off the edge. Rashawn Gary got better and better as the year went on. And he was the 10th overall pick two years ago. Not a lot of people remember that, um, the former edge rusher out of Michigan. Um, so I don't know if he goes back to Green Bay. Um, I personally have him going to Pittsburgh because I think Pittsburgh okay. can that give could, him a deal. Yeah. And I, I just think it's cool to play with your brothers in the NFL. We see the Edmund brothers do it. Obviously, Tremaine is not playing with Terrell or Trey Edmonds with the Steelers. Um, the McCourty brothers played together. The yeah. Griffin brothers are playing together. Um, but I think that would be the coolest one because I think that's the biggest superstar. Obviously, Derek Watt's a good fullback, not a superstar one. But TJ Watt, who's right now the best edge rusher in the league, Pair him up with his brother, who has been one of the most dominant defensive players over the decade. Um, I think that'd be a good fit for him there. But again, all depends on cap space. Um, D Hop just did some recruiting today for the Cardinals. I saw uh, that. Yeah, we have about twenty million in cap space we could use, so it'd probably be another backload. We could give him a big front-loaded contract and kill our cap space and get no free agents this year, um, and have him be our big guy. Um, which we need interior help. Yeah. And with Chandler Jones's injury last year, we don't know if we're going to bring Hassan Reddick back. And he was only good for the last four or five games. Um, uh, Dennis Gardak was a very good, very efficient pass rusher. I think on like 90 snaps, he generated six sacks or something like that, which is absolutely bonkers, which is a 24 pace. If he played just as many snaps as um, Devon Kennard, Um but uh, I know I'm blabbering here. You're good. But no, I think JJ Watt would be a better fit, cap space and need wise anywhere other than Green Bay. I was uh, just going strictly based off of hunch. Oh, yeah. I'm going my inner Stephen oh, no. A. Smith. The man is like a brother to me. Oh, I hear you. No, no, no. I think Green <laughs> Bay would be a good fit back in his hometown. Yeah. Getting to play for a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl, has been to the NFC Championship the past two years. Totally love that move. Um, I think it's just the be- logistics of it. I yeah, know it can I- be tough. I think there's more attractive locations for JJ, but again, he could definitely choose green Bay, go play with Aaron Rodgers, two of the best players of their positions in the 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that'd be great to see there. Um, cool. but yeah, who else, uh, but we two, we each got two left, I think. Yeah. Two left, two left. Yep. So I'm going to go with a guy that not a lot, a whole lot of people, not a whole lot, a lot of, <laughs> a lot, 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 um, but Anthony Harris out of Minnesota, not a whole lot of people know about, according to PFF in 2019 was the best safety in the NFL, better than Jamal Adams, who had an awesome year there, um, played better than Jamal Adams this year. Obviously Jamal had a terrible year, but so did Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris did not do great. Um, but over the past, from 2017 to 2019, was a top three safety every single year. And I think he gets overshadowed because of Harrison Smith, um, Everson Griffin when he was on the Vikings, Daniel Hunter when he was healthy, Eric Kendricks, who's a very good linebacker. So I think he gets overshadowed a lot. But I think if he goes to Washington, who kind of needs a guy there to play opposite Landon Collins, would be a very good fit 
for the Washington football team and would make a defense that's already really good even better. I agree. I actually know who Anthony Harris is. Um, I know he had a very high ranking on PFF, so I know Minnesota would um, definitely, definitely was really good with him. Um, I've heard some rumors that they might try and franchise him, but I'm not too sure. Um, I know PFF actually had him going to the football team saying that would make sense. They have him at a four-year $56 million deal, um, Mm -hmm. which would make sense. I think it would definitely, that defense was one of their strong points this year. Um, So getting some help in the secondary would be huge because we all saw Brady kind of throw all over them in that uh, divisional or that wild card game. So I think getting a guy like um, Smith would, or Harris, sorry, would be huge for them, especially playing in that Minnesota defense. You see a lot of guys strive there, especially in the secondary. So I think that yeah. would be, that would be good. They can definitely, like I said, Washington, I think would need some help in that secondary. And I could see him fitting into that like Rivera scheme and everything like that. Yeah. And he's um, not only a, a good pass defender, he's a very good run defender yeah. in that career year in 2019, he had four missed tackles and for wow. a free safety, that's an insane number. Cause normally the strong safety is the one that's going to come in and play in the box. Anthony Harris was able to do that from the free safety spot and free safeties are kind of like corners where they're not great against the run. They'll get juked out, maybe run through a couple of times. He took, uh, he took that energy to them, to the running backs and to the receivers and really put on the hit stick in 2019. So obviously last year was an off year, but I think if he goes into a new defensive scheme, plays with a really good defense around him, like he did early in his career, Anthony Harris will go back to being a top three safety in the league over the next uh, two years, three years, no matter what his uh, contract length is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that'll be interesting to see what happens. I think they might try and franchise him in Minnesota because I, I said Smith. I was thinking Harrison Smith, like you were saying earlier. He's entering the final year of his deal. So they might try and, you know, keep him around for one more year, see if they can figure out something up there. Because I know Minnesota was a playoff team for what the last two years before that and that, or mm-hmm. two, well, every other year, I should say, because they missed year. out at the end um, to when they lost to the Bears in, in 20. 2018 which was tough but mm-hmm. um let's see so who did i have next i got hunter henry you, you know i couldn't do this without putting a patriots prediction in here i got hunter henry going to the new england patriots i've heard this is a pretty common hope that a lot of patriots fans had um the patriots had probably the worst production out of the tight end position i want to say in 2020 i i don't even like i haven't even looked at other teams but just Patriots tight ends in 2020 as a whole, 18 receptions, 254 yards, and one touchdown. And that yeah, one touchdown worse. came in the last game in the second half against the Jets with Devin Asiasi. And those were his only two catches of the year, too, against the Jets. So um, Hunter Henry in 2020 had a pretty good year, was one of his more healthier years in the league. He's never played more than 14 games in a year. Um, but last year he did play his his 14 games, 87 targets, 60 catches, both eighth in the league amongst tight ends, uh, 613 receiving yards. Uh, did have over 600 yards the last two seasons. We all know he had that uh, missed season in 2018 where he did actually play in the divisional game against the Patriots and really do much, but I think he'd be a good fit. I know he's a pretty solid run blocker too, from what I was watching, um, which the Patriots with that offensive line, if they lose a guy like Tooney, we all saw what Gronk did. He was a great run blocker. I know Gronk was a very underrated run blocker. The Patriots like their good blocking tight ends, uh, especially if they can catch passes. So I think, I think Hunter Henry would be a really good fit. I think he looks good in a Patriots uniform. I think he kind of fits that Belichick and McDaniel scheme, especially if they do get a young quarterback. I know you were talking about this uh, a couple episodes ago with Kyle, or um, you talk about on sliced apples with um, Pitts being good fit for the Patriots. I think if they can't get a tight end like him, I think a veteran presence in a guy like Hunter Henry would be huge for them. 
Well, I think even if they get Hunter Henry, you still go and get Pitts because if Pitts falls to 15, he's the best player on that board at the moment. And there's a lot of times where you want to take a player that fits a position need. But I think that would kind of give the Gronk Aaron Hernandez aspect where you got Whoa, a guy. Who can, okay. yeah, well, okay. <laughs> not, not like that, but I'm yeah. saying like positional wise, like where Gronk's the big mauling tight end who can run block and then be a great red zone threat. And Kyle Putz is a guy who can get open in the middle of the field and beat uh, defensive backs on routes, you know, and I think bring that mentality back to it. Funny you say that because Hernandez and Kyle Pitts are both Florida guys. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. So, um, no, but Hunter Henry is a very productive tight end, just needs to stay healthy. And I think we'd have to be ready for him to miss a couple games. Um, Yeah. And I think if they do pick up Hunter Henry, they get Kyle Pitts as an insurance option in case he does miss time. So I think either way, if they get Hunter Henry and Kyle Pitts is still available, they take Kyle Pitts with that 15th overall pick. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, they do still have to, I mean, they drafted two tight ends last year. Ossie Ossie, from what I saw, I remember that Jets game, he played solid. I mean, he's Mm. not anything like to write home about, but you never know. Guy's a rookie. I know we got to give guys time in this league. He had Cam Newton, who wasn't the best passer last year. Um, Wasn't really hitting open guys all that often. So, you know, maybe with a different quarterback, it would, um, it would, it would change things up. But I think Hunter Henry would be a great addition. Like I said, fits that Belichick scheme. I just feel like he's a Belichick guy. And like you were saying, in the, in the run blocking game, he's, he's huge. They need that. um, If they're going to be successful, just because we all know how, how important the run game is, especially for the Patriots over the last three, four years with guys like Harris, Michelle, James White, got to keep those guys healthy and, and keep them on the field. Definitely. So uh, I guess that kind of rolls into my top free agent landing. Um, And this is a guy who has never had good quarterbacks at all in his NFL career. I said it to my buddy Ryan in our group chat a couple of days ago. If Allen Robinson had a top half QB in the league, someone top 16, he would be a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, He had 30. uh, What was it? 61. Uh, uncatchable targets in uh, 2020, that is a gross number. And if he catches half of those, he's in the top two, maybe the best uh, when it comes to reception numbers and receiving yards based on when those targets were missed. Most of them were on mid-range routes from 5 to 15 yards along the sideline and over the middle. Um, And I have Allen Robinson going to Baltimore. I think he provides an immediate need Marquise Brown is already there. I don't think he's a true number one. He's more that number two and and, uh, and an 11 personnel can move to the slot. I think Allen Robinson's the true number one receiver. He's the best wide receiver on the market, regardless what you think of Chris Godwin. Allen Robinson has produced year over year, even given his injury back in 2017, I want to say he had that nasty ACL tear, 2016 maybe, had a big breakout year in 2015 with the Jags. Um but if Allen Robinson goes to Baltimore with Lamar Jackson's athleticism and throwing ability, um, he's a top three receiver in the league um, with Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so you I think the- Lamar Jackson's going to make Allen Robinson a top three receiver? Yes, I do believe he'll make him a top three They passed receiver. for the least amount of yards in 2020. Yes, because they don't have any competent receivers besides Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. And all you need to okay. cover Mark Andrews is a good linebacker or good box safety, and you just need to play deep against Marquise Brown. Because if you have a good box safety in the middle, along with good linebackers like the Baltimore Ravens have, Marquise Brown isn't catching shit over the middle. Oh, or, I'm gonna... excuse me, not the Ravens, but other teams. Yeah, excuse got, me. I got you. Um, 
if it wasn't for Josh Allen this past year, I'd call you crazy. But we all saw what he did when he got a good re- deep ball receiver. And not saying that Allen Robinson's a deep ball receiver, but we saw what he did with a, kind of that two wide receiver setup with Diggs and Beasley. Um, yep. So I'm not going to call you crazy. And also, and, like we said, they got Dobbins and, and guys who can – Mark Andrews, too, would help them out a lot. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. And this is the other thing I wanted to point out. We saw this offense take a step back where they realized, hey, they can't really pass. Let's just gear up against the run for 60 to 70 percent of the plays. And it took the Ravens until maybe week 12 or 13 to finally figure out how to use different guys and different personnel sets to get by defenses. Because for the first half of the year, they were figured out and they couldn't uh, do anything against some of the not great defenses, but definitely defenses that weren't even top 10 um in the season this year so yeah um i think if they give that receiving threat and that receiving option the baltimore passing offense i'm not going to say we'll go top 10 but they're going to get close especially with Allen robinson he will get a majority of the shares For in that sure. passing offense yeah no I, I think i think it would actually be a good fit i was even thinking him to the ravens um my last one and this one i wouldn't say is my top i kind of went out of order but I got another wide receiver going to the Ravens. I got Juju Smith-Schuster going to Baltimore. Uh, Again, a little bit more on hunch, but I think he would actually really fit in well there. I think he fits kind of the personality of that team. Young guy, only like I said, only 23, plays with a lot of swag, has had some great years. I didn't really put his 2019 numbers into what I was looking at because I know he kind of had a down year, but that was with Mason Rudolph. I don't even remember the name of the third string quarterback. Who was Alvin the, Hodges. Bucky Hodges, Hodges. Yeah. Duck Hodges. Yeah. Duck Hodges. Duck, he's, Bucky Hodges is the tight end. <laughs> <I'm> tight end. <laughs> um, but Juju, I mean, 2018, he was fourth in the league in targets, uh, 161 targets, 111 receptions, fifth in the league, 1,426 yards. So had a huge year there. 2020 this past year with guys like Deontay Johnson and uh, Claypool on his team. Still 13th in the league in targets, 8th in the league in receptions. Didn't catch for as many yards. Only had uh, 831 receiving yards. So uh, his like yards per reception wasn't as high as it was the past few years. But one thing I wanted to throw out there too is career yards per catch is 12.1, uh, where Baltimore was at 11.3 as a team in 2020. And his rookie year, so 2017, Juju actually averaged 15.8 yards a carry. I think this will be interesting because Juju, like I said, he's not a deep ball receiver, but he has that big playability. We all know Hollywood Brown does too, but I think Juju's ability to spread the field will open up more for Marquise Brown. So I think, like you, like you said, like I said in 2017, him being able to go deep was able to open the field for guys like Antonio Brown, who had a great year in 2017, he was probably the top receiver in football that year. So I think if Juju goes to the Ravens, he opens up the field more. And I think it's kind of similar to what we were saying with Allen Robinson. It opens the field more, not even just for that guy that they signed, but for Marquise Brown. I think that would be huge. You can throw, you can run the plays that uh, Kansas City runs all the time where Travis Kelsey just runs a five-yard in route, like, you know, and keep dumping it off to Andrews. You have guys, I mean, Juju, I think he only has one career rush attempt. I was looking at his stats the other day. Get him involved in the run game. See what happens. He's got speed. He's quick. He can get it open deep help Lamar, you know, improve on the deep ball. I, I think it would be a good signing and he can still play the Browns twice a year. And I think it would make a little interesting rivalry between him and the Steelers. I, I would love that. Yeah. And I think you nailed it perfectly. Personality fit would fit the scheme of that offense. I think that's another great option. So I think they either get Juju or Allen Robinson and they don't get either. And considering Chris Godwin's most likely I was gonna say Godwin, to Godwin would be good there. Yeah, he would be good, but most it's trending that he is going to go back to Tampa. Yeah, I think the Ravens will lose free agency if they don't get one of those three wide receivers. I know we have a deep wide receiver class and a deep wide receiver. What about Galladay? What if they got Galladay? 
Galladay, I think, is going to get franchise tagged. He's so young sure, in his career and showed he's a big production monster when healthy. He was arguably one of the best receivers in 2019 when he played. Yeah. Um, but again, it's I, I think the Lions bringing in Jared Goff are going to want someone there who's who's been in that Lions organization and in that wide receiver room. Marvin Jones is getting up there in age. Other outside of him, haven't had any true consistency. Um, in that receiving core, besides maybe T.J. Hawkinson, Danny Amendola. I mean, Danny Amendola. He's most. He's, <laughs> he's, he's all a free there, agent yeah. this year too, right? Yeah, they, they're that, joking yeah. that he might come back to the Patriots, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, and he since he got to Detroit, has not been the same receiver. Nah. Um, but again, I think Juju would be a cool fit. Um, and again, last time we saw Juju do really well was when he was with Antonio Brown. Like you were saying, you work with his cousin now, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. And you have that. Same. Are they actually cousins? Yeah, they're cousins. Shit, I should have connected that. That would have made this even better. <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's all good. Yeah, no, they're cousins. Um, we come full circle this whole episode between John do. Lackey and now Marquise Brown, just the whole thing. Yeah, and it's episode 10. So I True. don't know what full circle means for significance with the number 10. Nope, but I guess there's a zero. We're just in double it. digits. Yeah, there's just a big fat <laughs> zero there. Yeah, um, no, but I think juju or alan robinson would be a great fit i just see alan robinson would go there more likely just because i don't think that Baltimore. i mean i think juju would want to play in baltimore i just don't think like to to me that's kind of like petty but again juju's been a petty receiver yeah he said too that he wants to play in a big market so i don't know if like in la would fit better new england i don't know yeah. i wouldn't mind him here well, baltimore is becoming more and more popular it is yeah and like i've even heard like the jets potentially and on him if they can make yeah, a trade for like that. a watson which would like maybe that would be a good fit but they the jets would probably have to make a move at quarterback to be able to like lure a guy like juju in because i think he I, yeah. I i think he wants to be the star like i think at this point in his career he probably wants to be able to be the number one guy which i think in baltimore he would be still even though it, like i said it opens the field for marquise brown he wants to be that number one guy i think and i don't think i mean winning's obviously important i don't know if it's what's number one priority to him right now i think he wants to be that guy get his money and just show his value Mm-hmm. especially yeah, since he's so young 23 he could sign a four-year deal into 27 he could still be looking for yeah. you know another contract so yeah and i think he'll he'll most likely end up being the highest paid receiver ever in nfl history bold wow. prediction there but at 23 years old gonna like be all time you mean year. um yeah all time okay. he'll be the highest paid receiver because uh one the market growth every single year with cap space two teams need receivers and the teams that need receivers have a lot of cap space besides the um i don't want to say the packers need a receiver but if they go i don't think they go after a big market receiver like juju or Allen robinson i think that's silly um but teams that do need receivers have the cap space to do it and i think wherever he goes at such a young age signs like a five-year hundred million dollar deal gets 20 million years as a receiver which would be unbelievable yeah. to see but could happen yeah that uh, be interesting. So interesting offseason. I like those picks, some bold picks yeah, in there, but some very good. strategic picks in there as well. Yeah, uh, I love that. Any last NFL things you want to go over before we head into late hits? Uh, no. Well, one of my late hits was okay. obviously um want to talk about Vincent Jackson. Um, yeah. did pass away in a hotel room. Was that yesterday that happened? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yesterday morning. Yep, 38 years old, was a very good receiver on the Chargers and the Bucks. I think we were talking about him when we had Ross on the show, or it might have been the episode before that. Um, I was talking about Vincent Jackson a little bit, how well he did for both of those teams. Um, but it's just so sad to see, like, a guy, like, 
young guy, did a lot for his community, was a great teammate. And whatever team he went to, you just saw more of this like team camaraderie and team feel. Um, what was one of the best deep ball threats and a great red zone threat when he played in the NFL. Super consistent, very reliable. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Vincent Jackson. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, I remember him with the Chargers because he was there in those like Phillip Rivers days. Um, he was a, he was a rookie himself. I think 05 was his first year in the league. And really, mm -hmm. he kind of broke out as the Chargers started to get good. He was a member of that 06 team, 07 team. Um, made was there when they made the playoffs four straight years, had that 14 or 14 and two season where he was a member of that had what 6,000 re yard receiving or 6,000 yard receiving seasons, which is huge. So he was definitely a great yeah, receiver, um, especially in Tampa Bay where it was kind of court. There wasn't really too much stability there in quarterback. So it's really too bad. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about the guy too much personally, but like you said, from what I heard, he was a great teammate. Um, he was a real veteran leader. I don't know if you saw Mike Evans post something on, I think it was his Instagram or Twitter about him as well. So he was really able to, you know, help train those young guys, especially Tampa Bay was so young at that time too. Mm -hmm. He just had a huge veteran presence there after being kind of that younger guy with, with the chargers when they were still in San Diego. So um, I'm not sure if the cause of death came out at all, but it's, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Yet. Neither have I, but that's just, whatever it is, it's just, it is a true tragedy, you know, thoughts and prayers go up to his family um and to to his friends because that's just you know 38 that that's young man that's that's mm -hmm. that's Terrible. very young that's very I hate young. to see that yeah so hopefully hopefully the family can uh you know do do what they can do and and get through this you know together so um i guess on a on a happier note though i do i do want to throw it over college basketball i don't know how much college basketball you watch during but that's starting to heat up a little bit yeah i'm seeing um, it here and there yeah, I was watching um, Creighton and Villanova the other day. Uh, Creighton had a huge, I don't want to say huge upset because they were playing at home, but the 19th ranked Creighton Blue Jays played a had a very convincing win. I want to say they won by about 21 points uh, over Villanova, had a huge run in the second half. And then last night I was watching some of the Florida State game. They played Virginia, blew them out by, I want to say, actually, I think again, 21. 21 they were up yeah. early. It was like 28-10 early in that game. After I watched a little bit on Saturday, Virginia played North Carolina, who has been struggling this year. Um, but they only gave up like 48 points. I want to say North Carolina had like 18 points at the end of the first half. So, wow. uh, it's going to be a good stretch. I know Baylor, uh, is number one or number two. I think they're number two right now. Zag yeah, is one. Um, one. Baylor had some COVID issues, but I think they're resuming play either tonight or, or sometime this week. So it's going to be interesting because Duke's only at 500. I don't know if they're going to get into the tournament, North Carolina, very similar. Kentucky is, has a losing record. So it's going to be an interesting year, especially with them all playing in Indiana for, for the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, shout out Bryant. They have a shot to get in it. I don't know if the NEC is doing a conference tourney this year. I think they're sitting at third in the conference. They were at first at one point. So yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to see, especially with all teams being in one spot, no travel, uh, things of that nature, basically a bubble again. Uh, it'll be Literally. interesting to see. I know we don't co cover college basketball too closely here just because there's so many teams and I don't, know too much about it being from new england other than really yukon you don't really hear too much about it here yeah but and providence i guess but um keep an eye out for it. if you're looking for entertainment um I, I would keep an eye on especially with march madness coming back you want to educate yourself on your bracket at all even though usually you never shit hits the fan after like the second day i feel like with everyone's bracket someone yeah. loses so 
I, I think this year could be the most normal March Madness bracket we've seen Maybe. in a long time. I know, yeah. I know there's been a lot of fluctuation with the rankings this year, but I think once players kind of get set where they're at, I don't think there's going to be much change. I think the final four is going to be a mix of ones and twos. I don't think anyone outside of the three spot gets to the final four. But okay. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to draw. I know we're not going to do like a because we're not educated enough to sit here and talk for an hour about it. But we'll have to we'll have to drop our final fours at some point. Well, once yeah, we once the bracket's out, obviously we can't yeah, definitely. really predict it. But that'll be fun. But cool trivia. Yeah, I would love to do some trivia. Right. Can I kick it off this time? Go for it. All right. So, uh, great pitcher Jacob Degrom. Obviously not what he was, but still a top three pitcher in the MLB. I have a fun question about him for you, Jack. Okay. Who is the only player to record a multi-home run game against Jacob DeGrom during the 2020 season? All right. Well, they only played nine teams because they only played their division. Definitely wasn't anybody on the Red Sox because they couldn't hit shit. Um, Marcelo Zuna. Nope. Give me three guesses. Guess? Give me, give me yep. three. All right, Marcel. Yep. Did he play in the AL or the NL? The NL. Okay. Freddie Freeman. Nope. Am I close? Am I, I am a, let, let me let me look at Freddie I'm Freeman. He, he's oh. Freddie Freeman's on the Braves. He won the MVP. No, 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 not not on the Braves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah not, my bad. He's not um, on the Braves. All right. I'll, do all you right. want me to give you the team? Go for it. Uh, the Nationals. Juan Soto? No, it was not Juan Soto. It was. Let me pull it back. Adam Eaton, Trey quick. Turner. Andrew Stevenson. Who the fuck? Um, I mean, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. I don't really. I, yeah, wow. Okay. Yep. I like that. That was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. You had me stumped. I got um, you. Cool. All right. Let me get my one trivia question up here. Got multiple choice this time for you. Oh, thank you. All right. Who was the first player? in NBA history to be elected league MVP by a unanimous vote? A, Magic Johnson, B, Michael Jordan, C, LeBron James, or D, Steph Curry? I'm surprised Will Chamberlain's not on there. I don't know if the MVP award was a thing. Yeah, I I think it was. I don't know if it it was voted on or if it was just kind of like, here you go. Can you give me the names one more time? Yeah, so unanimous MVP, first unanimous MVP in NBA history, A, Magic Johnson, B, Michael Jordan, C, LeBron, D, Steph. D, Steph Curry. You got it. Let's go. Took till that 2016 was... for there to be a unanimous MVP. 2016. That was the year yeah. he had like 400 threes, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Warriors went yeah, 73 that's... and 9. Yeah, that's no-brainer. Has to yeah. be the unanimous pick. Yeah, but that was my trivia question. So I got to come up with a harder one next time too because that ground one stumped me. I'm going to come up with some really hard football ones next time. Yeah, oh, I love that. Gotcha. Love cool. See that. Well, I mean, any last uh, pointers you want to bring up? No, I that pretty much covers it. I feel like that was Same probably here. one of our better balanced episodes. Yeah, uh, for we sure. pretty much hit every sport about hour forty five again. Hit every sport evenly. I feel like so. Um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Everybody just want to shout out. Oh, actually, one thing I did want to go over. You almost I almost forgot. Wednesday, March third, two weeks probably from when this podcast is dropping. You know what that number is on the calendar, Jordan? 0303-2021? You know who wears number three in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts? Ooh, Jacoby Brissett. No, Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, my God. So, Yikes. you know what 3-3 three, three is? 
It is national, the first ever national Get Rod on the Pod Day. Be on the lookout. We are going to be doing a campaign that whole week to get Rodrigo Blankenship on this podcast. I reached out to probably about 10 or 20 athletes this week and haven't gotten shit for a response. And they are not nearly as famous as Rodrigo Blankenship. So we are going to get Rod on this pod and we're going to need your help as a listener. There'll be awards. There will be opportunities for you to write up a question for us to ask Rod and we will get this going. But 3-3, be on the lookout for a campaign. Hashtag get Rod on the pod. Jordan, anything to add on that? No, I'm uh, really excited to eventually get Rod on the pod. Look out for maybe some other NFL potential uh, Super Bowl winners to be on the show. Be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm going to see what I can work out to get some of my guys from the Bucks on this podcast. Ooh, okay. uh, we'll see what we can do there. But obviously, get Rod on the pod, number one priority. Let's make it happen, fans. Yeah. This is all about you guys. Uh, you guys have been giving us great support. We are again asking you to provide that continued, unrelentless support from you guys. Bring it on and get Rod on the pod with if us. you give us support, we will get you Rod. Hashtag yes, get Rod on the pod.